الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل ثم الصلاة الأتمان الأكملان على المبعوث رحمة للعالمين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وأصلح لنا شأننا كله ولا تكلنا إلى أنفسنا طرفة عين اللهم حبب إلينا الإيمان وزينه في قلوبنا وكره إلينا الكفر والفسوق والعصيان وبعد We begin by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the Almighty, the Exalted the Owner, the Facilitator, the Creator of the heavens and the earth and everything in between them the one deserving all praise and all things and gratitude alone Azza wa Jalla and we send the salutations upon the greatest of his creation, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallama, the man who walked the earth as a mercy of mankind and spread and relayed the message of Islam. Al-Amanata. He conveyed the message, conveyed the covenant. He advised the Ummah of Muhammad alayhi salatu. He invited his Ummah, the Ummah of Allah Azza wa Jal, this nation. And he struggled in the way of Allah Azza wa Jal. He struggled his soul, sallallahu alayhi wa He struggled his limbs, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He struggled, struggled his mental health, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. All for the sake of Allah's pleasure. All for the sake of Allah's reward. For salawatullahi wa salamuhu alayhi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa man tabi'ahum bi ihsan ila yawm al-deen. Inshallah ta'ala, returning to what we have been going over the past couple of weeks. The journey to the hereafter. And we said that this is going to turn into a bi weekly series, Bidn al Rahman, where we will, inshallah ta'ala, tonight be finishing Surah Qaf, one of the great Mecki surahs, one of the great Mecki surahs that discuss specifically the affair of resurrection. And a, part, and a couple of the affairs and the stages that will occur on that day. And we decided to pick this surah amongst the rest for a couple of reasons. Who recalls one other than Samir? Huh? It's a great reminder for like multiple lessons throughout. Jameel, it's a great reminder of multiple lessons. Tayyip, can we use the same uh, phrase for the rest of the Quran, yes or no? I mean, yes. Yes, right? We would, we would be in uh, a big Our big trouble if you said no. This is what I'm looking for. Of course, the whole Quran is a great reminder. The Quran is the best of reminders. But why Surah Qaf? We mentioned a couple of reasons last week from them. As the brother said, this is a surah that the Prophet would merely just recite on the minbar throughout the majority of his khutab. Majority of his Friday sermons, he would what? He would recite the surah. Simply just recite Surah Qaf in its entirety. And this would suffice for the khutbah. This would suffice for the And we will come to why it was chosen. We mentioned some reasons as well. Someone else remind me one of the benefits or virtues that was held by the Prophet ﷺ regarding the surah. Anyone else? Tayyip Ta'ala. 
and emphasizes the reality of the, here, the, here, the hereafter, the day of judgment. And we chose this for why? Because the topic is the topic is the journey to the hereafter. So before we begin talking about the stages, from the stages of the hereafter, we will begin by this was an introduction like we mentioned. And we'll finish that off today. So it speaks about the Day of Judgment in its affairs. And it shows the diligence of the Prophet ﷺ. Not only he would recite this in every khutbah, when else would he would recite it? Salat al-Fajr, almost majority of his Fajr prayers was recorded that he would recite Surah Qaf in the first raka'ah alone. Where else? Jum'ah khutbah. So that's two. There's one more. During the Eid Salah. The first raka'ah of the Eid Salah. And you mentioned the significance of why he chose the Eid Salah because this is where majority of the Muslims come out. Majority of the Muslims come out to the what? To the Eid gathering, the Eid Salah. So it shows you how this Prophet ﷺ valued this surah and he saw it to be a great reminder. As we'll come to one of the ayat, it will mention this towards the end so we spoke about the first half of the surah the beginning of the surah very briefly mentioned the state of the disbelievers and how they were negligent of the hereafter and we mentioned some of the reasons why they used to disbelieve and deny the hereafter and this was due to as some of the scholars and Mufassirin would say they knew that there were some sort of resurrection as some of the Mufassirin would recall walakin due to their attachment to their desires and their attachment to the worldly life and attachment to the way of their ancestors that contradicted the way that the Prophet ﷺ was coming with they had no choice but to just disbelieve in it because they knew if they disbelieved in it they had nothing to worry about but the one who believes in the day of judgment they're in a constant state of what? stress the one who believes in the day of judgment you're always worried the one who actually thinks about it at all times the one who believes and understands the severity of the Day of Judgment, they're never comfortable. They're never comfortable. So they were at a point of arrogance or laziness. So they made it easy on themselves. They're like, there's no, desert, there's no resurrection. There's no Day of Judgment. And of course, there was majority of them that actually just believed and denied the, crea- the resurrection occurring. And the whole first page discussed how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rebuked this, recall, rebuked this claim. Or this belief. So we got to the segment where Allah begins to mention and says, So Allah just speaks about the creation of mankind at the top of the second page. We created mankind and we are aware of all of his whereabouts and we are closer to him with our knowledge. We are closer to him by hearing everything they are, they are doing. We are closer to them by seeing everything they are doing. We are closer to them than the what? The jugular vein. Showing us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala qada ahata bi kulli shayin ilma. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala qada ahata bi kulli shayin ilma. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala encompasses all knowledge. So Allah is reminding us that everything we do will be held accountable for. Everything we do, it could be behind closed doors. Walakin la yakhfa min Allahi shay. La yakhfa ala Allahi minhum shay. On the day where the things that you thought were in secret 
and were hidden from everyone else, it will be exposed. And of course, what matters is it's exposed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but it's exposed to all of mankind. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He knows, subhanahu what is hidden in our hearts. He knows what is hidden in our hearts. Things that other people are not aware of. This should arise some sort of consciousness to the believer. It arises some sort of consciousness to the believer. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues. إِذْ يَتَلَقَّ الْمُتَلَقِّيَانِ عَنِ الْيَمِينِ وَعَنِ الشِّمَالِ قَعِيدٍ مَا يَلْفِضُ مِنْ قَوْلٍ إِلَّا لَدَيْهِ رَقِيبٌ عَتِيدٌ So Allah before begins speaking about the Day of Judgment, He is telling you about the two angels that record everything you are doing. Reminding you, because that is all you have on that day. Look at the one needs to realize, this is how you do tadabbur of the Qur'an. Look how everything comes in order. Look what Allah began with. Surah Qaf. The state of the, the disbelievers, disbelieving the resurrection. Allah spends the remaining page talking about how the resurrection is true. And from the things that you see in the creation of your own selves in the heavens of the earth, how it is a proof that there is resurrection. And how Allah is capable of doing this. Then Allah speaks about the only thing that will benefit. After He has shown you how the resurrection is true, he sh He's telling you what will benefit you on that day. And He's telling you, be conscious of what you do, of what you say. Verily we have set angels for every individual walking this earth that will record everything they do. To the point where Allah says, مَا يَلْفِضُ مِنْ قَوْلٍ مِنْ أَيْلِ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ مَا يَلْفِضُ مِنْ قَوْلٍ There is not a word uttered, a letter uttered, إِلَّا لَدَيْهِ رَقِيبٌ عَتِيدٌ Except that there is what? The angels there, conscious of what you're doing, and ready to record. This is Raqibun Ati, this is what it means. Raqib, they're always conscious, always aware of your whereabouts. This is their only occupation. Atid, ready to record. And this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begun or began speaking about the affair of the day of judgment. Look Allah is telling you what you need to prepare with, what you must come with. Your account, your book that is written and that is held accounted with these angels, that is all you have on that day. Then Allah begins speaking about the day, وَجَاءَتْ سَكْرَةُ الْمَوْتِ بِالْحَقِّ And the angel of death, as one of the Mufassirin say, or what is the majority they say, جَاءَتْ سَكْرَةُ الْمَوْتِ اي سَكَرَاتُ الْمَوْتِ And the agony and the pain of death befalls this individual. Now Allah is beginning to speak about the day of judgment. And the first affairs of the day of judgment, the first affairs of the judgment is one, as we mentioned before, is one. When does the, the judgment of the servant begin? Death. Death is when the judgment begins for an individual. The agonies of death, the pain of death befalls the individual. This individual starts to see things that no one else sees. They see the angels coming in their form. They see their soul leaving their body. And the affairs of death that we mentioned in the barzakh, how they will be sat up, how they will be questioned, how their grave will either be a portion of the gardens of Jannah, may Allah make our graves like so, or it will be a portion of the torment and the punishment of, the, of Jahannam, may Allah protect us from this. هذا was سَكَرَاتُ الْمَوْتِ الَّذِي عُرِرَ بِهِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمَ النَّبِيِّ عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامِ إِذَا كَانَ هُنَاكَ شَخْصٌ يُسْلِمْ مِنْ هَذِهِ أَوْ مِنْ هَذَا الْمَقَامِ فَهُوَ أَوْلَى بِهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمَ وَلَمْ يُسْلِمْ مِنْهُ أَصْلًا If there was someone who would be saved from this affair, saved from the agonies of death, 
safe from the punishment itself. That is a punishment. Forget what will happen in the grave and what will happen when you're resurrected. You, your soul leaving your body is punishment. Remain in a state of severe sickness for two, three weeks until his soul left his body. From the hours before he left, Prophet was uttering to Aisha, Verily, with death comes punishment. Verily, with death comes pain. Verily, with death comes agony. And the whole Nabi is going through this. So Allah says, and the agony and the punishment of death comes. This is what you were negligent of. Allah says, the death is starting to befall this individual. And once you're going through it, that's when you realize and that's when you're in a state of regret. That's when you realize, Ya Laytani. I wish, I wish, I wish. At that time. That will be the affair of most people. But then there will be some people who will be on that day when their soul is leaving their body. They will be in the most, subhanAllah, joyful state possible. And they will forget every na'im, every bliss or blessing that they have encountered in the dunya. They will forget the closest people to them. They will forget the closest people to them on that day. Due to the news that the angels are coming with. Due to how beautiful these angels are looking. Imagine on that day where you know you're leaving and no one else is aware. No one else can help you. وَقِيلَ مَنْ رَاقٍ This is what Allah says in the Quran. وَقِيلَ مَنْ رَاقٍ وَقِيلَ مَنْ رَاقٍ And on that day, the individual who's going through death is going to be like, who is there to cure me? Who is there to help me? But little does he know that no one else is aware of what's going on except you. وَقِيلَ مَنْ رَاقٍ وَظَنَّ أَنَّهُ الْفِرَاقِ ظَنَّ أَيْ أَيْقَنَ And he's certain that this is his time of parting, a parting from the world. وَالْتَفَّتِ السَّاقُ بِالسَّاقُ and Allah is talking about the kafan here. This is the, your affair. You are nothing. You will be referred to as the deceased. Your name will be strapped, uh, snatched from you on that day. You will be wrapped with this kafan. You could have been walking this earth with the most valuable, luxurious clothing. Spending your time and effort and wealth on your dunya. But on that day, the richest person and the poorest individual will have the same garment. And it is this kafan. The shins are folded once, one on top of the other. This is how they are buried. To your Lord is your abode. You're on your journey to your Lord. Your journey is beginning now. May Allah protect us on that day. On the day where the believers will be in bliss. This is what we were talking about earlier. The day where the believer will forget every blessing, every responsibility that was to their name, because the angels are coming with these three glad tidings. Don't grieve on what you're leaving behind. Don't, no need to grieve. We'll take care of them. Don't stress and don't fear what is to come. Because what is to come is going to be better and better and better. 
And from that moment, you know what your abode is. And your affair, your affair begins to get better and better. To the point you're in the grave, You're in the grave, you see so much bliss, and it doesn't even come near a percentage of what is prepared in the hereafter. It is so blissful that you are saying, Oh Allah, let the hour before now. Oh Allah, now. will continue. This day, once the agony of death comes your way, this is what you were negligent of. This is what you were heedless of, the way you were moving, your actions. Your actions speak louder than words. You can believe in that day. You can outwardly claim you believe in that day, but your actions speak louder. Are you moving like you're preparing for that day? This is what we're recalling. This is what we're trying to remind ourselves with. Are we moving like we are preparing for that day? Allah musta'an. Allah musta'an. May Allah protect us. This action is what differs, differentiates between the truthful one, the one who utters truth, who truly acts the way he claims, or the one who is a liar, who may claim one thing but he doesn't move in that way. Or even to a greater degree, the one who is a true believer, the one who is a hypocrite. May Allah protect us. May Allah protect us. The actions are what defines us. The actions are what defines us. May Allah purify our actions and grant us actions that He accepts and that are valid in His eyes, subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَجَاءَتْ سَكْرَةُ الْمَوْتِ بِالْحَقِّ ذَلِكَ مَا كُنْتَ مِنْهُ تَحِيدٌ وَنُفِخَ فِي الصُّورِ So Allah speaks about death. Then we fast forward. وَنُفِخَ فِي الصُّورِ So death comes, you're in your grave. Then a day is going to come where you're going to be resurrected. And the time in your grave is a long time. Without a doubt, it's a time longer than how much you've spent on this earth. Right? There are prophets who lived for a thousand years. And look at how long they've been in their graves now. Prophet said that this ummah goes between the age of 60 and 70 max. And very little do they surpass that. Very little of them do they surpass this age limit. So how many of us, or how many of our loved ones, our families, our friends, have already been in the grave longer than they've been walking on earth? And with that, once they're resurrected, they're going to say, Oh Allah, we were only in there for a day or part of a day. It will be said to them on the day when you're resurrected. And this is to bring light to how severe just you being resurrected is. We haven't gotten to judgment. We haven't gotten to the punishments. We haven't gotten to your book of deeds being presented. We haven't gotten to the sirat. We haven't gotten to anything. This is just you being resurrected and brought forth to the mahshar, brought forth to the place where everyone is going to be gathered on that day. And Allah is mentioning that it will be asked to these people, It will be asked to them, How long were you present in one ruayah? How long were you present in the earth? How long were you present in your grave? They will respond, It felt like a day or part of a day. That's, this is not to show how what goes on in the grave is a blink of an eye. No, this is to show how severe that day of resurrection is. The things you will see on that day, you will wish you were back in the grave. You will wish you were back in the grave. Ask the ones who will keep account. It only felt like a day for us. The horn, the trumpet will be blown. And we know this is what indicates the beginning of Qiyamah. 
as Allah said in the Quran, وَنُفِخَ فِي الصُّورِ وَنُفِخَ فِي الصُّورِ In Surah Zuma. Naam. What's the beginning of that? On the day we blow the trumpet, right? And this trumpet is what indicates the day of judgment, the beginning of the day of judgment. Who blows the trumpet? Hmm. Israfil. Who is Israfil? Angel. And his occupation is to blow the trumpet on that day. When that trumpet is blown, there will be a caller on that day and is brought forth in one of the narrations, as Ibn Kathir mentions in the tafsir, that it is Jibreel alayhi salam. And once this trumpet is blown, indicating and the people are starting to exit their graves, as Allah says in the Quran, Allah is talking about the day of judgment The day where the, the big earthquake occurs This is the day of judgment Right? What is in the earth is going to be spit out This is how described in another ayah I believe in Surah Adiyat are they not aware? Right? What will happen when what is in the graves will be spat out? This is how it's described. Right? And in that affair, Jibreel will be saying to the people, exit your graves. That trumpet is blown, Jibreel is going to be calling, exit your grave. The people are going to be coming out of the graves. To the mahshar they go. The trumpet is blown. Resurrection is beginning. This is the day we were warning you of. This is the day we were warning you of. And on that day, every single soul will come with them. Two angels. Two angels will come with every soul. Sa'iq. An angel that will drive them from their grave to the mahshar. That will take them from their grave to the mahshar. And an angel that is going to be responsible for testifying for this individual. Either for them or against them, based on your record. Based on your record. And this day... Is a day that you were negligent of. How many times Allah bring up negligence and ghafla? We warned you about this. This is what you were negligent of. And Allah again mentions ghafla. Telling us to get out of the state of negligence. Everything I'm mentioning is, enough for, is it not enough for you to be reminded. The people's account, the people's hisab, their judgment, eh, the day of judgment is getting closer by the day. But they are still remaining in a state of heedlessness, of negligence. This is what Allah is saying in the Quran. And everything in the Quran is indicating to us how the hour is close. They think it is far away. Eh, their actions are proving 
to us that they believe is far away. The way they're living and walking the earth, they're moving like they are going to be here for eternity. This is how we're moving. We're moving like we are promised another 40, 50, 60, 70 years. You guys think it's far away. And Allah says, And we see it, meaning we believe and we are certain, because only Allah knows. And He's telling you, Verily it's close. That day is closer than you think. It's closer than you think. You were in a state of negligence of this day. So what's happening to you on this day? So we unrevealed the veil. The veil that covered between your eyesight and the unseen. The whole time we are walking this earth, we are totally unaware of what goes on in the ilm al-ghayb. In the life of the unseen. We don't see the jinn. We don't see the angels. The hours from the, time, from the affairs of the unseen. None of this we see. Now, when the unseen has been made clear to you and that veil has been lifted, so now you are able to see the unseen, it's too late. It's too late. Because you were told and commanded to believe in the unseen. Rather from the states and the status of the believers and the trace of the believers is that they believe in the what? In the unseen. How did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begin the Qur'an? How is this, what is the first ayat that we're reading in this Qur'an? So Allah is telling you immediately, this book, there's no doubt on it. There's no doubts in it. It is a straightforward book that is full of certainty and truth. It is a guidance for the muttaqeen. It's not a guidance for everyone. Not everyone is going to be moving with this book in a way where it's guiding them towards righteousness. For some people, it will be a proof against them. This will only be a proof and a guidance for the muttaqeen. Allah begins to describe the muttaqeen. The first trait that they are given, those who believe in the unseen. And believing in the unseen is from the greatest things that will have one's iman intact. That's why if you look at the six pillars of iman, what do they all consist of? Unseen. Every pillar of iman is from the matters of unseen. How many pillars of iman? Six. Sah. Each of them is things you do not see until that day. Al-imanu billah, believing in Allah, the first pillar, unseen. Wal-malaika, the angels, unseen. Wa kutubi, and his books, the revelation. You're not aware of how they were compiled. You're not aware of how they were revealed. You were not present. Warusuri and his messengers, you didn't see his messengers. The day of judgment and the qadr and the pre-decree, all of this are things and affairs the Muslim must be certain in and have zero doubt in it. And Allah says from the believers, the righteous ones are those who believe in the unseen. And the unseen will be mentioned again later on in the surah. So once the, uns the unseen has become present to the individual, khas is too late. And Allah mentions that the eyesight of the people on that day will be very sharp. You will see everything. Everything will be crystal clear for you. Everything that you were told about, the lectures you were going to, the khutbas you were going to, describing the hereafter, the day of judgment, how severe it will be. We weren't taking it serious. On that day, your eyesight will be very sharp. Your eyesight will be very sharp. That's how Allah is saying. Meaning everything will be made clear to you. The things that you were negligent of, it will be, it will be clear to you on this day. فَبَصَرُكَ الْيَوْمَ حَدِيدٌ وَقَالَ قَرِينُهُ هَذَا مَا لَدَيَّ عَتِيدٌ وَقَالَ قَرِينُهُ And the companion of the soul. The reference to the companion of the soul. وَقَالَ قَرِينُهُ And his companion will say, the companion of the soul. 
every one of us is going to have two companions on that day. This companion is an angel. Is the angel that has your account, your book of deeds. وَقَالَ قَرِينُ His companion is the angel. هَذَا مَا لَدَيَّ عَتِيدٌ What I have with me is a book of his records and I'm ready to present it. I'm ready to present it. Everything he's done is here, Allah. Everything he's done is here. وَوُضِعَ الْكِتَابُ فَتَرَى الْمُجْرِمِينَ مُشْفِقِينَ مِمَّا فِيهِ وَيَقُولُونَ يَا وَيْلَتَنَا مَا لِهَذَا الْكِتَابُ لَا يُغَادِرُ صَغِيرَةً وَلَا كَبِيرَةً إِلَّا أَحْصَاهَا On that day, the books will be presented. This book that we're talking about. That the angel saying, Allah, here's this book of records. Take into account. The books of deeds will be presented on that day. فَتَرَى الْمُجْرِمِينَ مُشْفِقِينَ You see the criminals, not the believers. The believers are going to say what on that day? When their book of deeds is given to them. In which hand? Right? The book of these will be given to them in the right hand, right? And it will be, they will, the first thing that will come out of their mouths, mouth is what? Read my book. You're begging Allah to read your book. You're begging for your book to be read and told and shown to the world. Because you know you came with what? The yaqeen, the certainty, the actions that Allah requested from you. You abided by His You were patient in this dunya. You struggled your soul. You struggled your desires. You fought the haram. You fought the worldly life. You remain patient on the ibadah. You found contentment in the ibadah. You found comfort in the ibadah. And now that day, that book will testify for you. Ha umqra'u kitabiyah. Inni ghanantu anni mulaqin hisabiyah. I was certain that I was going to make it on this day. I was certain that this day was going to come my way. And his actions spoke louder than his words. His actions shows, her actions shows what? that they truly were preparing for that day. Imagine being that person, like you are so proud of your book. You want it to be read as soon as possible. Read it, Allah. I was certain I was coming, I was doing my best to prepare for this day. The mujrimin, the criminals on that day. They're in a state of torment, a state of shock of awe on that day when they see what's in their book and it's not because in that book are things mentioned that they didn't do everything in there is something they did to the point where it says Mali kitab. what is this book there's in a state wallah they're shocked what is this book it has not missed any little deed that I came with or major deed that I've came with except that it is recorded and preserved in this book everything I've done is preserved in this book and on that day, it will be brought forth what they put forth in the dunya. That's all you have on that day. And your Lord will not oppress anyone. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not oppress his servants. Your book is sufficient for you. Back to the surah. This book, Ya Allah, it's prepared, it's ready. Everything is there. Present it. And this is the state of the disbeliever on that day. Or the criminal on that day. Or the day or the person that has more sins. Sins that outweigh his good deeds. How can one be in a state of loss and khusran? That you come on a day and your sins outweigh your good deeds as a believer. And as a believer you are told that your good deeds bear minimum how many hasanat are you getting? Ten. Min jaa bil hasanati. 
فَلَهُ عَشْرُ أَمْثَالِهِ Bare minimum. The one who comes with a good deed, bare minimum, you're getting ten deeds worth for that one deed. إِلَى until It can go up until 700 times worth. Or it can go up until however many times Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills to multiply it. That is the good deed. And the sayyah, وَمَنْ جَاءَ بِالسَّيِّئَةِ فَلَا يُجَزَ إِلَّا مِثْلَهَا The sayyah, the bad deed, is, how, is recorded as one deed, as one evil deed. So imagine, good deeds are bare minimum worth 10. And the, bad de- the good deeds are worth 10, bare minimum. And the bad ones are worth one per deed. And you still come on that day with bad deeds, outweighing the good deeds, أعوذ بالله. Allah has made it so much easier for us. Look, look, this is why we say, This is why we say that the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala outweighs everything. It outweighs His wrath, it outweighs His anger, it outweighs His punishment, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Look how He's trying to make it easy for you. These are the verses that made the Prophet ﷺ cry when he asked Ibn Mas'ud to read, or Ubay ibn Ka'b, one of the, these two Sahaba. He asked one of them to read the Quran, and he started reading from Surah An-Nisa. So the Sahaba began to come to the verses, Verily, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not oppress even an Adam's worth. If there was anyone that had the right to be oppressive, who would it be? The king, the owner. An example, and the, the example of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the greatest. Nothing can compare to him. Today, the ones who have authority, how easy is it for them to oppress? How easy for the one that have some sort of authority, some sort of status, people who run countries or run governments, how easy is it for them to oppress? And they're human beings. Just because of that authority, they can oppress if they want, even if they know they're oppressing, even if they know they're wrongdoing people. Who's going to stop them? Really? Who's going to stop them, right? If there was anyone that had the right to oppress and not be questioned about oppressing, who would it be? Of course, this, Allah is free from this, but we're saying, if, the, the, the comparison here is that if anyone were to oppress, it would be Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and no one can say anything to Allah. If he willed, he could have oppressed as, as much as he wanted, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and no one would be able to utter a word to him. ولكن, as it came in the hadith of Qudsi, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala حرم الظلم على نفسي إني حرمت الظلم على نفسي Look, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وجعلت بينكم حراما Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that I have made ظلم prohibited on myself Allah, Malik al-Muluk is saying I have made something prohibited on myself I have made something haram on myself Ponder these words, ibadullah Allah is saying I have made oppression haram on myself there's nothing else Allah says that he, prohibit, he prohibited himself from other than oppression. So these are from the things that shows. And on top of that, the ayah continues, Allah does not oppress an Adam's worth, but if it was a good deed, if it was a deed that was a hasana, a deed of ibadah, a deed of righteousness, Allah says, if you were to bring forth a righteous deed, he will multiply it. So Allah's telling you, I will not oppress, meaning what? Your bad deeds. You bring forth a bad deed, it will be, you will be held accountable for it. 
you'll be held accountable for it. But the good deeds, hasten towards it. He's telling you, in other words, hasten towards it. Because if you come forth with it, you da'ifha. He multiplies it. Rahmatullah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rahmati wasi'at kulli shay. And his mercy subhanahu wa ta'ala outweighs everything. Hada mala dayyatid. The disbeliever, the criminal. His bad deeds outweigh his good ones. Al-qiyya fi mubasharatan. Al-qiyya fi jahannama. Kulla kafarin anid. Throw them, admit them into the jahannam. Admit them into the hellfire. May Allah protect us. May Allah protect us from that day. Admit them into the fire. You, it's not Allah pressing you. It's not Allah favoring one over you. Your deeds have done all the work. Your deeds show it all. Iqra kitabak. Kafa bi nafsika al-yawma alayka hasiba. Read your book. Open up your book. That book is sufficient to hold you accountable on that day. That's what Allah is saying. So based on that book, your abode is what? Your destination is what? Al-qiyah fi jahannam. Allah is talking about the disbelievers and the criminals. Admit them into jahannam. Kulla kafarin anid. Every disbelieving, arrogant soul. Enter them into fire. La niza'ah. There's no debate. There's no argument. You came forth with a disbelief. You didn't believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You were negligent of His way. You were heedless of what He has brought forth. Your only abode is Jahannam. May Allah protect us. And Allah starts beginning to describe these people. These people were people who prohibited good. They would come in the way. They were a barrier between good being brought forth and good being enjoined. Right? كل معتد مريب صحيح كل معتد مريب every evil arrogant soul that was in shak مريب جاء من ريب meaning that this person was doubtful and this shows us the severity of having doubts in what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has brought forth what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is commanding us to believe in leaving this soul leaving this world with doubt in your heart it is a great burden it is a great burden and how is doubt removed, Ikhwah? How do we remove doubt? Huh? Knowledge and certainty. He said knowledge and certainty. Tayyib, let me ask you this. Knowledge and certainty, they're two different things, correct? Tayyib, what comes first? Knowledge. After you seek the knowledge, what is the second level? What, what do you reach to? What level do you reach when you have gained the proper knowledge and you start to understand and comprehend and your heart is becoming content with it? You reach a, late, a state of? What? It's item here. So, okay, before certainty. Because certainty is the highest level. And yaqeen is high, like you are certain and it's not just something you're uttering. It is shown on your limbs. That's certain. What? Actions. Okay. Actions is from what? Iman. This level two after knowledge is iman. You can't get iman, true belief, except that knowledge precedes it. At least a kathalik. For you to have iman in something, for you to believe something, you must have knowledge of it. This is the importance of knowledge. That's why Allah says in the Quran, فَعْلَمْ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهِ إِلَى اللَّهِ That's why Allah says, and have knowledge and learn about لَا إِلَهِ إِلَى اللَّهِ For some people, they think it's just a given. You must learn about لَا إِلَهِ إِلَى اللَّهِ So you get to a, a state where you are in a state of Iman. Iman is not just something uttered on your mouth. Iman is proven by your limbs. Iman is proven by your limbs. What's in the heart is shown on your limbs, is shown on your speech, is shown on your tongue. That's why when Allah subhanahu the Prophet mentions in the hadith and he says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
Allah subhanahu wa does not look at your external affair or your images outwardly, but rather He looks at the state of your heart and what? And your actions. These are two different things, right? But why are both of them put in the same siyaq? Why are both of them put in the same context? Because whatever the state, whatever, it, whatever state your heart is in, it is proven by your what? By your actions. It is proven by your actions. So knowledge, iman, once you hasten towards good deeds and you busy yourself with good deeds, then you get to a point and the more you learn and read and ponder over the book of Allah and ponder through the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ and understand what he's brought forth and understand the things he's telling us to believe in and seeing how him and the companions lived their lives and applied the knowledge and you try your best to follow their way, then you will reach a level of yaqeen, certainty. Where you are content with Allah Allah. You're content with His book. You're content with the righteous deeds. That is all you're looking forward to in this dunya. All you're trying to do is invest in the what? In the hereafter. This person is the one who brought partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Committed shirk. Gave what belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلِذَلِكْ نَقُولُ وَكَمَا جَاءَ فِي الْآيَةِ عَنَ الْعَبْدُ الصَّالِحِ لُقْمَانَ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ إِنَّ الشِّرْكَ لَظُلْمٌ عَظِيمٌ Verily the shirk, the polytheism, giving what belongs to Allah to other than Allah is the greatest oppression. Is the greatest oppression. That day, if you come with an Adam seed worth of shirk, all of your deeds are nullified. All of your deeds are nullified. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions and speaks to the Prophet and says, It's been revealed to you, O Muhammad, and revealed to the prophets and messengers who came before you that if one of you, and these are the most righteous people to walk, if one of you were to commit shirk, that your deeds would be nullified. And these are the best of people to walk. Shows you the severity of the severity of what? Ashirk. That's why the greatest hasan that one can come with on that day is what? The oneness of Allah. The belief in the oneness of Allah, the tawheed. It's the greatest deed you can come with. Because with that deed comes every source of benefit. Especially the benefit of Allah's, Allah pardoning you and having mercy upon you and forgiving you and showering you with mercy and admitting you into paradise and forgiving you for your sins and admitting your loved ones into paradise and being able to see him on that day. All of this, the prerequisite to it is what? Tawheed. La ilaha illallah. The value of the Tawheed, the hadith of the man who comes on that day with 99 scrolls of bad deeds. 99, in this hadith is to show us the, the, the greatness of the Tawheed. The greatness of the one who comes on that day with la ilaha illallah. This man comes on the, as it came in the hadith in Sahih Muslim, comes with 99 scrolls of bad deeds. Each scroll is as long as the eye can see. And each scroll is filled with bad deeds. 99 scrolls of them, as far as the eye can see, each one of them. And it will be said to this person, do you, do you neglect or deny anything that is found in this, in this accounts right here in these scrolls? He'll say no. He'll say no, I don't, I don't deny anything. And it will be asked to him, do you have any good deeds to bring forth? He'll be asked him, do you have any good deeds to bring forth? 
And for as the Mufassiri mentioned, they say that man is hopeless. Ninety-nine scrolls of bad deeds. Whatever good I have will not come close to this. So he says no. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions and says, on this day there's no oppression. Again, back to the sifa of al-adl, of justice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and how he will not oppress. On this day there's no oppression. So with these 99 scrolls, there will be a card that's brought forth. 99 scrolls on one side of the scale. On another side of the scale, there is a card. And both will be placed on the scale. Which side of the scale is heavier? Decide with the card. What is on this card? La ilaha illallah. This is what is on the card. So these not, that card of la ilaha illallah, your belief in Allah, your sincerity in Allah, outweighs 99 schools of bad deeds. Some people interpret this and try to use it as a gateway to sin or as a, a way of belittling disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is not what this hadith is showing us. This hadith is showing us the greatness of the tawheed and the greatness of the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how it is a prerequisite to be forgiven and pardoned on that day. The day that everyone is seeking it. Everyone is looking for someone to intercede for them, someone to pardon them, someone to bear witness and testify on their behalf. What will help you on that day is your tawheed. The one who was, came with polytheism on that day, admit him into the severest of punishments. The severest of punishments. The torment of fire, that is your abode, may Allah protect us. Shows us the greatness and the bounty of la ilaha illallah. But one does not truly reciprocate or show how grateful they are of this bounty, except that their actions prove it. Your actions, our actions are what proves that we are grateful of la ilaha illallah. Because just like we were given this bounty of la ilaha illallah, the key to making Jahannam for eternity prohibited for us, just like it's been given to us and many of us didn't even ask for it, it can be snatched away from us. And how do you preserve this bounty? How do you protect this bounty from being snatched? By learning about it. By learning about the, the Islam, learning about the religion. Qala qarinuhu. Another companion on that day, going back to the Suqala Qarinu, Rabbana, Ma atgaituhu, Walakin kana fi dalalim ba'id. Then the second companion, like we said, there are two companions for this, these, these souls. The first companion was the angel that had his book of records and presented it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second companion, guess who it is? Qala Qarinuhu, the transition of the ages, his friend, his, the, the soul's companion says, Rabbana, my Lord, ma atgaituhu. I didn't force him. I didn't force him to do anything. Walakin, but verily, kana fi dalalim ba'id. He himself was misguided. He himself went astray. I didn't force him to do anything. Who's speaking here? Shaytan. Every individual has a devil. Every individual has been designated a devil to misguide them. This is the role of Iblis, the king and the head of all the shayateen. And everyone has, he has his junood, he has his trips, uh, troops. And to each one has a devil that's trying to misguide them from the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. From the greatest advices in the Quran, إِنَّ الشَّيْطَانَ لَكُمْ Verily, shaitan is an enemy, so take him as an enemy. How do you take him as an enemy? By following the way of Allah. By following the way of Allah and refraining from the disobedience. The disobedience is the way of shaitan. The disobedience is the way of shaitan. That day he will be free from you. you would, you're going to try to find someone to blame. 
you're going to try to find someone to blame on that day. And shaitan is going to be, going to say, I'm free from you. His friend on that day, which is shaitan. I didn't force him. And it's said in the, in the tafsir of Ibn Kathir that the soul, this individual, and his devil are going to be arguing in Jahannam. Imagine, you've already been admitted into the fire. The judgment has been made and you're still trying to get out of it. That's how severe it is. You will never be content with it. Even when you're admitted to the fire, you're going to wish that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just made you scattered dust, particles. Verily, we mentioned and we warned you a severe awakening, a severe punishment. On the day where the individual will look and ponder what he himself brought forth. No one else did it for him. He had his own intellect. This proves us and shows us that Islam teaches there is free will to the individual. He will see what he brought forth. And he's going to know where his abode is. الكافر, and the disbeliever on that day, يَا لَيْتَنِي Oh Allah, I wish, كُنْتُ تراب, I wish I was particles of dust. Because as we know in the hadith, on that day the animals will be brought forth that walk the earth. And after they get the rights amongst one another, they will be what? Commanded to be scattered particles of dust. So the kafir is going to wish, the disbeliever is going to wish he had that treatment. Because at least they're not getting punished. They're just removed from existence. That's what he's going to wish for. Ya laytani kuntu turaba. So back to the verse. Ma atgaytu, I didn't force him. He's the one that led himself astray. He had free will. He chose to go this path. I just whispered in his ear. وَقَالَ الشَّيْطَانُ لَمَّا قُضِيَ الْأَمْرُ إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَعَدَكُمْ وَعَدَ الْحَقِّ وَوَعَدْتُكُمْ فَأَخْلَفْتُكُمْ وَمَا كَانَ لِي عَلَيْكُمْ مِنْ وَمَا كَانَ لِي عَلَيْكُمْ سُلْطَانٍ مِنْ سُلْطَانٍ إِلَّا أَنْ دَعَوْتُكُمْ فَاسْتَجَبْتُمْ لِي وَقَالَ الشَّيْطَانُ وَالشَّيْطَانُ says on that day لَمَّا قُضِيَ الْأَمْرُ after everyone's decision everyone's abode has been determined Allah has already made the judgment لَمَّا قُضِيَ الْأَمْرُ إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَعَدَكُمْ شَيْطَانُ will say Allah promised you Allah told you what to do Allah told you what to stay away from. Wa'ad al-haqq. Even shaitan is telling you. He gave you the truthful wa'ad, the truthful promise. Fada'utukum, but I called you. I came on this path. I came on this path. This path of Allah. This is the only reason why He's around. To misguide the people. And He's telling you, Allah called you to the truth. Allah called you to His way. But I came and busied you on this path. Fada'utukum, fa'akhlaftukum. I called you and you disobeyed. All you did was accept my call. You had the choice to ignore my call. You had the choice to do isti'adha from me and to tell Allah to protect you from me. You had the choice to choose the righteous path, but you decided to choose my whispers. And he says and continues shaitan, look how he's freeing himself from you. Look how he's freeing himself from me and he's being punished himself. I did not have any type of authority over you. Except that I called you and you responded. I misguided, I attempted to whisper to you and you just listened to my whispering and you applied it. So that day shaitan and the soul are going to be in there arguing. The soul is going to try to get out of it somehow. Get out of that punishment. Look at this powerful verse. Allah says to these to Shaytan in, his, in, the, in that soul, do not argue in front of me. 
This is not a place of debate. There's no argumentation going on here. I've already given you guys my warning in the dunya. I've given you a book. I've given you a Quran. I've given you a teacher who has shown you and warned you from everything. Who has called you to enjoy the good. Has shown you the mercy that I have. Who has shown you what is prepared for the righteous ones. And has warned you from the evil path. I presented my proof. And you decided to go the other way. Imagine. You're being told to be admitted into the fire. And then you hear these words. On that day, whatever decision has been made, there is no going back from it. Allah says, admitted to the fire. Admit into the fire. That is the decision. You can do ikhtisam. You can debate. You can try to blame others. You can try to point fingers. Won't work. On that day, whatever has been said, that is the decision. And people will say, this is oppressive. Why not give me a chance? Let me go back. Let me prove myself. And on that day, when you see the criminals in a state where they're under their Lord, they're gonna, and they see everything. The unseen has been what? Revealed. They see all the things that they were promised and they were negligent of. What are they going to say? Rabbana, oh Allah, oh my Lord, abasarna. We see now. We see now. Because you truly actually do see. Wasami'na, and we hear everything. Farji'na, so allow us to return. Na'man salihan. Let us return to righteous deeds. Inna muqinun. Now we're certain. Is this certainly going to benefit them now? This certainly won't benefit. Khalas. You were asked, and the test was for you to believe. Bil ghayb was for you to believe in the unseen. But now it's too late when it's, when it's been presented for you. The decision of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not be changed. Again, affirmation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not an oppressor to his servants. On the day we will say to Jahannam, Allah will speak to Jahannam and say, Are you full? From the amount of inhabitants we have been throwing in it, and people and flesh we've been throwing in, in it on that day. Are you full? Should I stop? Have you reached your full capacity? And then Jahannam is going to respond and say, Is there any more, Ya Allah? Meaning, I'm ready. Is there any more? But then there's going to be a point of the hadith of this tafsir on this ayah, where Ibn Abbas mentions that on that day, where Allah says, Are you full? And then Jahannam is going to respond and say, Is there any more? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the hadith says this verbatimly, that he will place his foot, subhanahu wa ta'ala, a way that befits his majesty. Allah will place his foot, a, what will befit his majesty? No one can say limbs, no one can say toes, no one can say, look, Allah says foot in the hadith, he will place his foot the way befits his majesty. Do not ask kaifa, do not ask how this foot is. All you know is foot, khalas. Allah will place his foot in Jahannam. And he will be said to it, قط, قط. Enough, enough, this is it. Then that will be the last of inhabitants of the fire. And on the contrary, And the paradise will sprout, prepared, for the righteous ones, for the pious ones, the ones who struggled their souls, who were patient in the dunya. Their desires came whispering to them. Shaitan came whispering to them. The bad friends and companions came whispering to them. The dunya came busying them. But they were patient. They struggled their souls. 
They said, there is a day that I will return back to Allah. I will be held accounted. I will be asked. I'm scared of that day. That fear that they had caused them to leave off the bad deeds and incline towards the good ones. Imagine that day. Paradise is prepared for you. You're told what? This is what we have promised to every awab, for everyone who returns back to Allah, everyone who repents back to Allah, awab. Someone who was in a, in a awab, a sigh mubalagha, a kathir ruju'i Allah. Someone who continuously returns to Allah, abundantly returns to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is who awab. This is what we promise. Jannah is what we give to those who are awab, return back to Allah. They will wrong themselves, but they'll return. They will wrong and return. Sin and return. Awab and hafiz. Someone who protects the covenant. Who's protect the covenant of Allah. Allah has given you a covenant, this Quran. Allah has given you the covenant, the sunnah. A legislation to, li to live by. You will be considered hafiz. Hafiz is someone who protects or preserves something. What did you preserve? The covenant of Allah. This is what we promised to everyone who preserved the covenant of Allah and one who was abundantly returning back to Him in repentance. Who are these people? Those who fear Ar-Rahman. Those who fear Ar-Rahman. They fear Him in secret. Ibn Abbas and Mujahid. And the likes of these tabi'een and sahaba they mention Fearing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in secret A fearing him behind closed doors Fearing him when other people are not around you It's very easy to be God conscious around others It's very easy to be God conscious in the masjid Or in public with the brothers Or with your teachers Or with your parents It's very easy Because the soul is inclined to the acceptance of others Normally They are shy of how others will view them but your true state, who you truly are, is the state you are in when you are behind closed doors. And Allah praises these people. Those who fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the unseen, in secret. They come with a soul that is again munib, kathratul inaba. An abundant amount of tawbah, an abundant amount of repentance. If you come with abundant amount of repentance, what does that mean? What does that mean about the individual? If you're repenting a lot, that means you're doing what a lot? Sinning. Sahih? Like the hadith says, التوابون, And the best of sinners are those who return to Allah in repentance a lot. Those who fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in secret and return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and have abundant amount of repentance on their deeds, in their book of deeds, it will be said to these people, in a narration, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will command the believers on that day, Ya Ahlul Jannah. Allah will call the people, Ya Ahlul Jannah, O people of, just imagine hearing these words, Ya Ahlul Jannah, O people of paradise. This is what you refer to now. Forget your name. You're being referred to as, O people of paradise. Yani how much security is in your heart? How much joy? This is how you are being referred to now. Ya Ahl Jannah. And as it says in one of the lines of poetry, your Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala is calling you. 
and is requesting from you a special visit. So these people will be brought forth to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And these people will be given the best of treatment. They will sit on pulpits, on manabir, made from gemstones, on manabir, made from fiddah, manabir, made from lu'lu, manabir, pulpits. This is, what you, this is your seat, a high seat, a throne basically, made of gemstones, silver, gold, subhanAllah. Like look at the izzah, the status, the treatment you're getting. And nothing, nothing has happened yet. Ya Ahlul Jannah, Allah is calling you, come forth. They come forth, they're awaiting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're, 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 you're in the waiting room, and your waiting room seat is a, is a throne. With this much izzah. This is how you're being treated. And then a, a, a munadi, a caller is going to call from the heavens, and it says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, says, Ya Ahl al-Jannah, bi salamin O people of paradise, enter it with salam, with peace. Aminin, you are in security. bi salam, Enter it with peace, it will be said to these people. This is the day of eternity. This is the day of your final abode. Khalas. Imagine the, the state you are in. Hearing these words and seeing your treatment, after seeing the people of the fire being admitted to the fire, you and your family. Paradise, you will be admitted into it. Alone with your, forf with your fathers. Mothers, your ancestors, your offspring, your wives, والملائكة, and the angels, every door of paradise that is there, every door of paradise that is there, the angels will be going into it, hastening to the people of Jannah, saying what? Peace be upon you. With how, with how you are patient, peace be upon you. You are patient in this dunya. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. May Allah make us from these people. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will continue talking to these They don't know it's Allah yet. He's going to ask these people, Araditum. Allah has already admitted you into paradise. You've been given this treatment that we just briefly described. And Allah is going to say, Araditum. Are you pleased with me? And the people, as it came in the, in, in, in the bait of poetry, they can say, Ya Allah, Allah, do you not pardon our sins, forgive our sins, and enter us into the paradise? Oh Allah, we are pleased, so be pleased with us. Why are they asking Allah to be pleased with them? Because what is greater than paradise on that day is the pleasure of Allah. Allah mentions the Jannah for the believers. Then Allah says, And Allah's pleasure is greater. Pleasure from Allah is greater. So they're asking, they're saying, Oh Allah, we're pleased, but please be pleased with us. 
you're already getting this treatment and you're still asking for his pleasure because they know how much of a virtue it is. Then it's mentioned, if I wasn't pleased with you, I wouldn't have entered you into this paradise and given you this treatment. So then the people of Jannah, they're gonna ask, Allah subhanahu is going to ask these people, is there anything more you're seeking? Is there anything more you want? How? How is it? The people are going to say, how is there anything more that I want? You've given me everything, as much as the eye can see. And within this paradise is everything. What the eye desires, what the heart desires, and the eyes crave. Everything. You can't even imagine it until you see it. May Allah make us from these people. And Allah is saying, do you want anything more? The question is, what is left? What is left? Allah says, لَهُمْ مَا يَشَاءُونَ فِيهَا In the paradise is everything they desire. Everything they're looking forward to is in the paradise. You want, whatever comes to your mind, name it, it's there. Is that it? وَلَدَيْنَا مَزِيدٌ And with us is an increased reward. What's the increase here? What's the increase that Allah is mentioning? Allah is saying, مَا يَشَاءُونَ Everything you want is there. Everything you're seeking is there. What the eye craves and what the soul desires is there. Look at the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So after Allah is asking them, do you want more? And they're, what else could we have? Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they will see a light above them. And then Allah azza wa jal will reveal, will unreveal the veil that is covering him subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the believers will see his face. What better reward than seeing the one who blessed you, who gave you Islam, who gave you Iman, who's shown you this way to success, who's shown you the way to the doors of Jannah. What better reward than being acquainted with the one who led you here? Give you a small example. Imagine the individual who's in a state of poverty back home, back in one of these places, they're in a state of poverty, right? And someone in one of the countries that are well off, they donate to them thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. They don't know who they are. They just said to them, hey, you received a donation, hundreds of thousands of dollars, now they're able to live a life that they never lived before. How thankful do you think this person is? Very thankful. But they don't know who it is. Imagine years later, they meet the individual who came and blessed them with this money. And it was the reason that they were, be, were able to be removed from poverty. How thankful and how much of a, how happy do you think they're going to be in that instance, meeting the individual? So happy, bright face, smiling, wanting to acquaint with, wanting to meet them, thanking them, excessively thanking them. You're the one who put me in here. You're the one who got me out of the state that I was in and gave me the chance to live a life like this. This person is going to be yearning to meet the individual. How about your Lord? And this is, this is mazid. This is the increase on that day. And the ulama said that there is nothing better than seeing the face of your Lord on that day. Seeing the one who blessed you. Seeing the one who created you. And giving you purpose. Giving you perspective. Giving you aql. Giving you intellect. وَقَالُوا الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ الَّذِي هَدَانَ لِهَذَا وَمَا كُنَّا لِنَهْتَدِيَ لَوْلَا أَنْ هَدَانَ اللَّهِ And they will say on that day, Alhamdulillah. The people of paradise, after everything has been done, everyone's been admitted, Alhamdulillah, all praise to Allah. Why? The one who guided us, guided us here. He guided us to Jannah, but he guided us to Jannah with his legislation. 
وما كنا لنهتدي لولا أن هذان الله we would not have been guided if it wasn't for the guidance of Allah may Allah make us from this people إخوة like we said this was brief it may not have seemed like it was brief but like it was very brief I believe it was a good introduction it touched uh, generally on many aspects of the Qiyamah talked about the judgment people being admitted to the fire the conversation with Shaytan, Iblis, resurrection, the, tr the trumpet being blown. These are all affairs of the day of judgment. We touched on it briefly. And I believe it was a good introduction. Uh, before we start going in depth, inshallah, to add into our series, that will be called the stages of the day of judgment. The stages of the day of judgment. And we begin with the resurrection. Last time we stopped at the Qabr and the Barzakh, we will begin the resurrection. And like we said, we won't suffice with just one lecture. 45 minutes to cover everything is wallahi, it's not, it's not enough. So every segment of the Akhirah, we'll go over it. ta'ala, this will be inshallah bi-weekly. Inshallah ta'ala, until Allah wills that we complete it. Bi-idhnillahi ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yitqabbil minna. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yaj'alni min ahli al-jannah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yudkhilna al-jannah ma'al ibrar. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yukhafif anna. صلى الله سبحانه وتعالى يجعلنا من أهل الجنة والتقى والعرى صلى الله سبحانه وتعالى يحبب إلينا الإيمان وزينه في قلوبنا ويكره إلينا الكفر والفسوق والعصيان اللهم آتي نفوسنا تقواها وزكها أنت خير من زكاها أنت وإيها ومولاها اللهم صلي وسلم وبارك على النبي الحبيب المصطفى نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم في الأولين وصلي وسلم وبارك على النبي الحبيب المصطفى في كل وقت وحيد وصلي وسلم على نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم في الملأ الأعلى إلى يوم الدين هذا والله أعلى وأجل وأعلم وصلى الله وسلم على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحابه أجمعين any questions regarding what we went over or things that didn't make sense or suggestions or even things to add that we missed? Uh, I had a question regarding the This is in Jannah.
accepts, Allah barely accepts only from those who are pious and righteous. This is why Abdullah ibn Umar, he mentioned in the hadith, he said, if I learned and had the knowledge that Allah accepted two units of prayer for me, just two units of prayer, and I was certain that Allah accepted them for me, I would have wished that my death would have been at that moment. Why? Because if Allah accepted something from you and you are knowledgeable that Allah has accepted something from you, this means you are muttaqi. This means you are righteous. Allah has seen you to be someone who is righteous. So what better than having this title? And what better than knowing that only Allah accepts from the people who are righteous and pious and conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So understanding that the good deeds weigh this much on the scale means and shows us one thing. The more virtuous something is, the harder it is to get it. It's not that easy. One must come with a sincere heart, a heart that is cleansed. And the ulama even mentioned that from the things that can go ahead and nullify good deeds being done, you could be doing good deeds consistently. But what can nullify these good deeds from being done is one being in a state of continuous sin. One being in a state of continuous sin, arrogantly upon the sin, or his heart has been drowned with the sin and tainted with the sin right so these are from the things that can nullify these deeds as well right as Allah says in the Quran do not have you, allow your deeds to be nullified the ulama mentioned nullified by continuously indulging in bad deeds without repenting to Allah without repenting to Allah The question is, what is to be said about the one who does not pray? What well, can he relies on the mercy of Allah? And he says, Allah, Allah is the most merciful and the most forgiving. Uh, this person does not understand the mercy of Allah. And the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is attained to those who abide by his covenant, who abide by his legislation. And it is a very common belief that we see today, leaving off the prayers from the worst things one can indulge in, from the most severest of sins. The most severest of sins one can indulge is leaving off the prayer. That's the first thing you will be asked about on the day of judgment when you're resurrected. Before any other deed. The salah is one of the only prayer, one of the only commandments that Allah had to command for the Prophet to meet him. So that he verbatimly gives it to the Prophet. Every other legislation was given through who? It was given through Jibrail. Every other legislation was given through an intermediary between Allah and the Prophet. But this prayer was that heavy that Allah had to command the Prophet ﷺ to be ascended to the heavens to receive the Salawat al-Khams. This is from the heaviness of the prayer. It is so heavy that one of the Tabi'een mentioned that none of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ saw something to be disbelief except for the one who had left off the prayer. Right? So there is a, a big difference of opinion in, in whether this will put someone in a state of disbelief or not. But what is the strongest opinion and Allah knows best is the person is a major sinner. The person is a major sinner if he leaves off the prayer. The person who has left off the prayer needs to be advised. The best way to get to the one should be worried for these people. And finally, figuring out a method to, to enter the hearts of these people. The best way to enter the hearts of these people is by teaching them about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Teaching them about reality, take them to the graveyards, take them to the gravesite. Informing them about the youth that are passing away. This state of not praying is something very common today. Rather, the question we should be asking is how do we overcome it? How do we, come how, how do we advise the ones who are, uh, يعني, are afflicted with this? May Allah protect us. You know? فيعني, it is a very severe thing. And how we come across it is, of course, you don't want to tell this person, you know, hey, man, you're going to be from the people of Nar. Or you are indulging in. You know, he knows, but you want to say things that will awaken this person's heart. 
teach them about Allah. This is what got, this is what awakened the hearts of the people of the past. Merely learning about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Learning about who he is, his names, his attributes, what he's prepared, how great he is, how magnificent he is, how divine he is. Right? So look at uh, trying to find the methods that befit each individual, that will awaken their heart. That'll awaken the heart. But as for the state of an individual who has not came with prayer, then there there's a severe, severe, very severe punishment waiting for these people. May Allah protect us. Umar ibn Khattab says there is no use of one's Islam if he is left off the prayer. Salah is the foundation of the religion. The covenant between us, the difference between us and the mushrikeen, the politics is the prayer. Whomever has left it off is disbelieved. A lot of the ulama say that disbelief here is the minor disbelief. As long as the one still has la ilaha illallah in their hearts. So it is a minor disbelief. Some say it's a very minute opinion. It is the major disbelief to exit you from Islam. But either or, you're still being mentioned as disbelief. You are still on a very, very severe boat on that day, regardless of what it is. So why put yourself in that situation in the first place? Like we said, Al-Ghafur Rahim is only for those who abide by his, abide by his legislation in return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bin salim, in return to Allah Azza with a sound heart. May Allah Azza wa make us from these people. Jazakum Allah khair. Now. Eight doors. No, no. So you ask, so the second question is, will everyone that's admitted to prayers be able to meet the Prophet And the first one is, will everyone in Jannah be able to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? As for the first question, Wallahu a'lam, ikhtalaf al-ulama. The ulama have deferred in this. And the, the, the difference between the two maqalat, the two views, which is one is that everyone in prayers will be able to see Allah. The second is that a specific level of believers will be able to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One opinion says that the people who are admitted into paradise, the 70,000 who are entered, the hadith of the Prophet where he mentions that there will be 70,000 from my ummah that will enter the paradise without any reckoning or any judgment. One opinion says that these are the people who see Allah. In another, in addition to the narration, it mentions that Ibn Subnamatic mentions that for every one of these 70,000, they bring 70,000. Right, this is another addition. There is ikhtilaf and it's in the siha. So a lot of the mufassirin such as Qurtubi and Tabari and the likes, they mention that what is intended here is the people who have this maqal, the status, the 70,000. They're the ones who see Allah. Another say that there is no specific qaid, there is no specific restriction. We don't see a specific legitimate verbatim speech in the Quran or the Sunnah that says the people who see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are just X, Y, or Z. When Allah mentions seeing His face and the Prophet mentions seeing His face, it is mentioned directly for the believers. And Wallahu A'lam, this seems to be what is more comfortable, right? Because to go ahead and grant a restriction, there needs to be some sort of what verbatim proof. But I'm not one to go ahead and tell you which one is stronger. There's different ulama in this. Uh, we can look into it, inshallah. The second one is, will everyone see the Prophet? Will everyone see him 
as we know, all the ummah of the Prophet والسلام, will gather, him, will gather with him where? In the halq. The ummah of the Prophet will gather and meet the Prophet والسلام, at, his, at the pond, at Kawthar. And the halq of the Nabi Allahumma ja'alna minhum. Some narrations even mentions the munafiqeen, but they will be snatched. Some narrations even mention the munafiqeen. They consider from the ummah, right? And they outwardly shown the iman. But these people will be snatched, as we know. The angels will be snatching people left and right. And the Prophet will say, Ummati, Ummati, we قِيلَ لَهُ إِنَّكَ لَا تَدْرِي مَا أَحْدَثُ بَعْدَكَ You do not know what they came with after you have passed away. Or what they have innovated after you have passed away. So, as for seeing the Prophet this shows us the hadith clearly that the Ummah will see the Prophet As for being with him, where does he reside? Al-Firdawsil-A'la. Not everyone is admitted to Firdawsil-A'la. If you were to ask Allah for paradise, ask for what? The highest levels of paradise. And from the things that make the Al-Firdaus Al-A'la from the greatest places in the, from the highest levels of Jannah is one thing. There's many, but there's one thing. And that is that you are in the company of your Messenger You are in the company of the one who taught you and, and led you to this path. So may Allah make us from the people who enter Al-Firdaus Al-A'la. As for... Specifics, perhaps we will look into it, inshallah ta'ala. These are questions that are way beyond me. As what we are doing here, we're just simply reading from the books. Nothing more, no ijtihad, no coming up with verdicts or or opinions or which is stronger or weaker. And uh, and Allah Azza knows our status in reality. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us and admit us into paradise. And just remind me, we can ask, bi ta'ala. Another question? You said like how one sin equals like ten good deeds, but don't major sins like kind of weigh differently. Okay, so I didn't say one sin. Or, and, and, or not, I guess not. Yeah, but if one was trying to logically speak, yeah. they will say what? Oh, okay. So if one deed is at le- one good deed is at least ten good deeds, then or, that means yeah, that guess, yeah, for every ten that, deed is one like, deed. Yeah, but, yeah, but the major sins weigh differently. The good deeds weigh differently. Right. So to say this is not it's bait. Very far to say this. You know, before this. Some people logically speaking, but still, it's very, very bad. Very bad. What we know, and we naqif and nas, we stop and restrict it at what is brought in the revelation. What is told to us is that for every good deed, you have a bare minimum of 10, is recorded for at least 10, 10 deeds worth, up until 700, up until adha'afun kathira, or up until many deeds Allah can multiply as He wills. For every sayyah is one. For every sayyah. So we naqif and nas. But of course, deeds, good and bad, some of them weigh differently. They weigh differently. So naqif ala dhalik. We stop at this. And we don't bring our intellect into it too much. Insha'Allah ta'ala. Zakam ala khayra. Barakallahu feekum. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Subhanakallah wa bihamdik. Nashadu wa la ilaha ila 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 